Israelis when you say we're supporting Israel. And for the Republican Party, standing with Israel has a lot to do with military security, national security, peace and security for the Jewish people. American Jewish voters see it as doing what leads to peace and to diplomacy. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that God is doing something unique in Israel and the Jewish people around the world. We're here to inform you on matters affecting you in the Christian world. And if you're listening to this this week or today, and you're in the United States or even not, you know that one of the biggest things going on is the presidential election. Uh, This is a special episode. We're doing a three-part series. Last week, we did kind of a pre-election show. So if you haven't listened to that, uh, go back and listen to that. We talk about the two candidates, what their views are uh, on Israel and the Jewish people and a bunch of different topics. Uh, Today is the day after the election. um, So we're going to talk about the election. And then next week, we're going to have another episode. um, And hopefully, we'll have a president to talk about in that episode. Uh, so let's discuss. So Ezra, who did you vote for yesterday? Carly, wouldn't you love to know? And wouldn't our audience like to know? But to everyone's chagrin, I'm not going to tell you because almost half, if our nation's current voting statistics are in, depending on what I say, just under 50% of our audience on either side would uh, stop listening to the rest of the podcast. So I'm not telling. Carly, what about you? Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to tell either. And we just want to say we're not here to be political commentators. We're not going to talk about, you know, which which states are up for grabs. Like we're recording this. It's Wednesday, 2 p.m. Phoenix time. There's no official final results of the president. Um, And there's all sorts of lawsuits and recounts and things happening. Those aren't the things we're going to talk about. Hopefully we're going to give a unique perspective that you're not going to hear on any of those news stations. And Carly, it's interesting, you know, when we scheduled this, you know, we said, okay, it's going to be uh, Wednesday, November 4th, the day after the election, we're going to be able to talk about the result, you know, if history is any indicator other than uh, 2000, uh, where we had to count the hanging chads and the dimples and whatever else on the Floridian ballots. But, you know, you and I both had uh, a lot of confidence we'd be able to say, okay, this is who won the election. This is where the Senate's at. This is where Congress is at. What are the implications from an American evangelical perspective and from an American Jewish and an Israeli perspective? And here we sit unable to talk about that. But uh, I think what we can offer our listeners today is some unique perspectives. How did the evangelical community vote? How did the Jewish community vote? What's Israel have to say about this, both the secular Israeli community and the Orthodox Jewish community in the land of Israel? So let's jump right in. Carly, talk to us a little bit about what we know about how American evangelicals voted yesterday based on the data we have from exit polls. Yeah. So like we said, there's not a presidential winner yet. So not all the votes are in. But from the early exit polls, uh, it shows that um, of evangelical white Christians, this is according to ABC News and New York Times, 76 percent voted for Trump and 23 percent voted for Biden, which is actually down from 2016, where 81 percent voted for Trump and 16 percent for Hillary Clinton. Now, usually evangelical Christians are conservative, so that's nothing to be, you know, surprised at. Uh, but it is interesting that it went down about five percent, or you know, skewed in that way, at least in the in the early polls. So that's that's from the Christian side. You know, last week, Ezra, we talked about how Jews 
uh, usually vote more Democratic. What do the exit polls say about how Jews voted in this election? Yeah, uh, interestingly, or maybe not so interestingly, 2020 is no exception, Carly. The exit polls told us, in fact, that 77% of Jewish voters uh, voted for Joe Biden. Uh, 21% left the polls saying they voted for President Trump. So, in fact, that's even more of a split by a percentage point or two than what it has been historically. It's actually the biggest uh, favoritism of the Democratic Party among the American Jewish community since 2008, so three or four elections ago. But uh, what's interesting is that these generally line up um, with the the historical data, as you mentioned, that we spoke about last week in the pre-election show, which continues to hold true among the American Jewish community, that generally, give or take three quarters of the American Jewish voting population is going to vote for the Democratic candidate, and about one quarter is going to vote for the Republican candidate. We saw the same thing happen this time. And, you know, we shared last week, President Trump a few months ago appealed to the American Jewish community, um, I'm going to say with somewhat uh, undiplomatic language, as as he's been known from time to time to use. Uh, Enough about that. But uh, he appealed to the American Jewish community and in essence said a vote for the Democratic Party is is almost a betrayal of Jewish identity and a betrayal of saying you're pro-Israel, thinking he was going to cause, quote unquote, an exodus among the American Jewry from the Democratic Party over to his side of things for the 2020 elections. And interestingly, even with that comment, uh, he further alienated himself, it seems, from uh, those already inclined to vote uh to vote Democratic in in this election, and it's interesting. You know, we would in the in the in the uh, in my family we would joke about this, but uh, anytime you tell a Jewish person or a Jewish family what to do, immediately we go, "Who says?" You know, there's kind of this natural uh, resistance to that kind of authority. So here we see. I'm saying this. You know, our audience can't see it, but I'm smiling. Uh, Donald Trump's appeal or exhortation for the Jewish community to vote Republican only made more of them vote Democratic. So. Uh, big smile on my face as I say that, uh, whether you see that as fortunate or unfortunate, depending on who you want to win this election. Uh, he certainly didn't do himself any favors by appealing to the community on the basis of stay loyal to your Jewish and pro-Israel identity. So uh, more on that in a few minutes. But that's how the Jewish community voted. Yeah. Interesting. It's almost exactly the same, but opposite. 76 percent Christians voted for Donald Trump. 77 percent Jews voted for Joe Biden. Exactly. And I think, you know, just let me throw this in before we before we move forward here. I think it's important for our audience, Carly, many of our audience, most of our audience, in fact, uh, based on the information we have, is from a Christian background. We do have some Jewish believers in Jesus. We have some American Jews who may be uh, more observant. Some are secular. Uh, but the majority of our audience uh, is from a Christian background of, of whatever brand or denomination or, or, or tradition. And I think there may be a little bit of a misperception because, uh, especially this year, the Trump campaign and those who were very vocal and standing with him, you know, you watch the Trump rallies and every once in a while you'd see an Israeli flag, right, in the, in the, among the supporters. And there's this idea that Trump is pro-Israel, therefore American Jews must be pro-Trump. But in fact, it's the opposite. And as you said, three quarters of evangelicals Trump, one quarter of the American Jewish population voted for uh, Donald Trump. So there is not a correlation. In fact, it's inverse there. Uh, And it's important for our audience to understand the fact that Trump aligns himself with what we can call a more pro-Israel agenda does not make American Jews vote for him. Um, 
one quick statistic here. Only 5% of American Jewish voters in the exit polls indicated that uh, Israel and the candidate's stance on Israel was one of their top criteria. Only 5%. Now, four years ago, uh, it w- when it was Clinton and Trump in 2016, 9% of American voters said, yes, Israel was one of my top two issues and how I voted in the U.S. elections. Uh, that fell by almost 50% this year to only 5%. One in 20 said Israel had anything to do with how with the main issues on my uh, mental agenda as I went into the ballot, into the booths. So uh, interesting stats there. Why, why do you think that is? Do you think it's because Trump has already done some things in Israel, so now they're not as concerned? No, I think, you know, it, it's how do you define, and this could be a whole uh, three series, uh, p- three podcast series in itself, Carly, how do you define pro-Israel? How do you define standing with or blessing Israel? Uh, Israelis, when you say we're supporting Israel, uh, and for the conservative uh, platform in the U.S., the Republican Party, standing with Israel has a lot to do with military security, national security, uh, peace and security for the Jewish people, regardless of whether there's a one state or two state solution on the table. Uh, national security is kind of the first thing that comes to mind, right? Uh, Netanyahu came a few years ago and stood in front of the UN in Manhattan, and his appeal was we need to provide national security for Israel because it relates to national security in the region and ultimately for many nations in the world. And that was related to uh, the Iran nuclear deal. American Jewish voters don't see standing with Israel primarily in terms of national security for Israel, protecting the people, protecting the borders. They see it as doing what leads to peace and to diplomacy. So their view of standing with Israel is Israel is a democratic, diplomatic presence in the region who should be doing what it can to uh, create and grow peace with all people. So there's a lot, actually, the American Jewish population, by and large, is uh, rather than saying uh, we need to protect Israel's borders and prevent terrorism, they're saying Israel needs to do whatever it can to broker peace with the Palestinians. So it's almost the, I don't want to say opposite, but there's a very different uh, list of top priorities in terms of how Israelis are thinking about issues on the table versus how American Jews are thinking about it. Um, so I think that's part of it, Carly, is how do you define, one, it's it's Israel is not the foref- on the forefront of 19 out of 20 American Jewish voters' minds. And even if it is, why is it there? Uh, not necessarily for national security. So again, a real split between um how the American evangelical community defines pro-Israel and how the American Jewish community itself defines uh, supporting the Jewish state, the nation of Israel. Yeah, interesting. So as we mentioned, you know, there really is no official outcome as of this very moment. Um, So Ezra, how would a non-outcome right now affect Israel in immediately or in the short term? Yeah, you know, however however you come down, and if you talk to... um, market analysts in terms of economics, you talk to political analysts, you talk to government representatives. Uh, It sounds like the worst possible outcome was uncertainty. Uncertainty, as we say, is bad for everybody, regardless of who you voted for for president and whether you're going to be happy or not. I think everybody was kind of hoping, okay, we're going to have an answer and we're going to move forward. Uh, A number, this is just anecdotally, but a number of my uh, contacts and friends in Israel and my wife's Israeli were saying, yeah, we're fully anticipating a Biden uh, victory just because of the polls they had seen, the sentiment they hear from the American Jewish community, etc. So much of what the media that makes it to Israel, the American media making it to Israel was saying and projecting. And so there's a surprise that there wasn't a very clear Biden victory. But I think the, the challenge here is that uncertainty 
is negative for all. And the more uncertain and potentially chaotic that things get as there's lawsuits and vote contestations and everything else that may come down the pike here in the coming days, the more uncertain and unstable that gets. One, economically, we know historically that uncertainty leads to economic decline. And economic decline in the U.S., because of its strong relationship with Israel and the economy of Israel, probably will lead to some decline there. And that's in a country where between a quarter and a third of Israelis have already applied for unemployment this year. Uh, imagine the strain on the Israeli government that at one point a third of Israelis were on, the, on government unemployment because they lost their jobs. You know, tourism is the main industry in Israel. Um, and so when that ground to a halt because of international border closures and Israel having to close itself off from the rest of the world to prevent the spread of COVID earlier this year, the economy ground to a halt. So I think that's another factor here is the uncertainty will certainly prolong the status quo because of COVID, because of political unrest, et cetera. And that's going to be, uh, very hard for the Israeli economy. But, uh, Another thing I want to mention here, Carly, before I throw it back to you is, you know, interestingly, in the summer when COVID was at its height, right, and, you know, the U.S. was trying to open up, but was still largely shut down. All of Europe was shut down very quietly or not so quietly, depending on which news you watch. Israel started to talk about annexing the West Bank, making that part of mainland Israel. And there was this huge uproar in the Middle East. But because everybody was focused on COVID. Uh, somehow it didn't seem like a lot of people were paying attention to it until it was almost about to happen. And we know with the Abraham Accords, uh, the Abraham peace deals uh, with the Emirates, now with Sudan, with Bahrain, other countries, that it, the annexation ended up not happening for now. Uh, Netanyahu agreed to that as part of these peace accords. But uh, I guess to come back to the, the question you asked, uh, in the midst of the United States and really a lot of the world's attention being largely focused on uh, inconclusive results in our own election. It's going to be very interesting to see what action Israel takes in the next couple of days, next few weeks in the region, and what action Arab countries, either now in diplomatic relationship with Israel or hostile toward the Jewish state, what actions they take when they think that the attention of the world is diverted from what's happening in the Middle East for a few moments in history. So uh, economically, it's going to be a challenge, and I think it's just going to be interesting to see what quietly or not so quietly happens in in the region while the u.s is very very much obsessed right now with its own business yeah that's interesting it's almost like a distraction so if some of israel's enemies i'll call them are kind of looking at this as an opportunity uh well hopefully we have results quickly enough that you know there isn't anything negative that happens to israel from uh, a security perspective uh, so that's that's if there's a non-outcome. But what if, you know, very quickly we will have an outcome, hopefully. Either way, uh, in, the, in the next podcast, hopefully we will have a final outcome and we can talk about whichever uh, president we will have and how that will affect Israel. What do you think the immediate effect would be if either Trump or Biden uh, were the next president? Yeah, in the nation and among the people living in Israel, Carly, it's hard to say. What we do know is that Trump and Netanyahu, uh, at least publicly, and I believe, you know, when the cameras are off as well, are uh, good friends. They have similar national security stances. Uh, Trump has done a lot, as we know, to relocate the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem uh, a couple of years ago, recognizing Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel. So certainly it would be a blow for Netanyahu. We don't know 
uh, how Biden's relationship with Netanyahu would be if Netanyahu retains the prime ministership in Israel, which is also a giant question mark with the scandal and Israel now considering, in fact, a fourth election because the first three were indecisive over the last couple of years. But that's uh, a podcast for another day. So uh, certainly Netanyahu is in favor of a Trump victory, um, and it remains to be seen how he and Biden would or would not get along. Things during the Obama administration with Obama and Netanyahu were certainly strained, to say the least. Um, and so is Biden going to continue to um, prolong the coldness of that former relationship, or would he make efforts towards uh, warming it up? It remains to be seen. What we do know, and we talked about uh, and the pre-election podcast, Carly, is that both American presidential candidates are committed to the existence of the Jewish state and to the peace and safety and security of Israel and the Jewish people and the Arab people and others living within the land of Israel and within um, the, the West Bank or the Palestinian territories, depending on uh, how you want to call it. So it's not like we have a decision here between a candidate that's super pro-Israel and one that's somehow anti-Israel or anti-Jewish people. Both parties both parties and their presidential representatives, presidential candidates, Republican and Democratic alike, have have uh, indicated a strong support for Israel, a commitment to end anti-Semitism wherever possible. So that's not immediately on the table. How the one state or two state solution plays out, Trump and Biden have significantly different plans there. And depending on which Israeli you ask, you're going to get a different answer on who wants which president, which will help bring about which peace plan and whether one state or two state. So uh, it's not immediately clear, Carly, how that how that's going to look. Interestingly, American Jews overwhelmingly uh, do not support the continuation of the Netanyahu uh, prime ministership in Israel. Uh, just like they're they're. Uh, and if you if you will, the Netanyahu administration is could best be equated to the conservative party. Uh, there's many parties in Israel uh, with the way the Knesset works, and you should look that up. Google it, Wikipedia it in your spare time. It's very complicated. But the conservative nature of Trump and Netanyahu aligns. And so as the American Jewish population overwhelmingly supports Biden and more liberal politics, they are uh, overwhelmingly not supportive of the Netanyahu administration for the same reasons. So uh, interesting there. But uh, if Biden wins again, we, we, we don't know. New president, new strategies. And uh, we know what Biden has written in terms of his intentions to stand with Israel, to broker peace, uh, to work towards the two-state solution. But actions speak louder than words. And uh, a president is measured by what he does or she does when their term is over, not by what they said before they get elected. So it remains to be seen. But Israelis are watching. And I think many Israelis are surprised that Biden didn't have a landslide yesterday based on uh, everything they'd heard in the months leading up. Well, most people probably don't know about the undecided Israel elections that you just talked about. So uh, Israel's probably used to this where we're like trying to figure out what this means and how quickly it's going to be resolved. And like you said, you know, there's multiple elections in Israel, so uh, they're not as surprised as we are. So one of the other things I, you know, I want to ask you is anti-Semitism. I'm just being kind of speculative here, but in America, people are worried about if Trump or Biden win, that there might be riots. I mean, businesses are even closing down. Some businesses were closed on election day. There's even some businesses boarding up um, their windows to prepare for some type of rioting. Do you think there would be any type of anti-Semitic rioting, uh, you know, based on how the election goes? Yeah. Uh, 
I'm going to give you a Jewish answer since it's a Jew and a Gentile discuss. Yes and no. Uh, why do I say that? What we do know already prior to the elections, Carly, is that there was a sharp increase in 2019, according to the stats uh, and the number of incident reports that the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, puts out. Significant increase uh, in anti-Semitism in 2019. So that's already kind of in the waters, if you will. And uh, what our audience would be interested to know is that American Jews, one of the reasons they did vote for Biden is because they believe that the Trump administration has fomented uh, not only white nationalism, but anti-Semitism. I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm trying to reflect the stated exit poll views and political uh, uh, opinion polls of the American Jewish population so that our audience gets a little bit of education on that. The American Jewish population, at least about three quarters of them, do believe that somehow the Trump administration has increased uh, division between groups, division between ethnic groups, races, religions, and included in that is their understanding that Trump uh, does more to encourage an anti-Semitic environment than the Biden administration would do. So I do think that affected uh, how people uh, submitted their ballots yesterday as well. Um, the issues of uh, equality, of social justice were much higher on the American Jewish uh, list of top issues they went into the voting booth thinking about than even um, standing with Israel or the issue of Israel and its position in the Middle East were. So uh, it remains to be seen, you know, especially what we do know historically is that when there's a severe economic downturn, not only in the U.S., but in other parts of the world, when there's chaos, when there's uh, general hardship that's widespread across uh, multiple parts of society, there is a direct link between those times in history and an increase in anti-Semitism. And what is anti-Semitism, right? Quick definition is an irrational, often baseless hatred and accusation of the Jewish people um, and, and then negative actions or persecution uh, in word or deed, which, uh, which come forth from that. And so uh, depending on how things are going to go, of course, we're hoping and praying for clear results in this election, uh, that every vote is counted, uh, and that all Americans, regardless of race, gender, uh, religion, ethnicity, what, what have you, are protected and kept safe and keep one another safe in the weeks to come. Uh, and we'll share more about that in a minute before we close. But uh, how is anti-Semitism going to increase or decrease? Unknown. But we do know that when you see chaos, when you see hardship, when you see economic turmoil, very, very often in history, you see anti-Semitism increase. So it's something for our audience to just be aware of and uh, if you see it, do something to combat it and say that's not okay. Any kind of uh, uh, injustice or persecution against another person simply because of who they are, but uh, we'll include anti-Semitism in that. Yeah, just uh, it's just another thing to be praying for. Um, and I think these elections, it should just be a prayerful time um, for Jews and Christians alike. Uh, just like we talk about on this podcast, we might have differences and we disagree, uh, but as, you know, one in Messiah, we're called together to unify. Uh, and regardless of who you voted for and who you want to win, what the outcome is, um, I think we should be encouraged. You know, God is in control. He's still the one on the throne. The president is not our God. Um, and we serve, you know, a, a much greater God. 
Um, and, you know, we're commanded to pray for our leaders. We're commanded to pray for each other. Um, and that's, that's really what we should be doing um, as, the, as the church body, as Christians and Jews alike. Uh, and hopefully that's, you know, what we show to the people around us instead of this divisiveness like you're talking about. Right. You know, I'm thinking of, uh, of Paul in the New Testament, right? This uh, famous Jewish apostle. And uh, before he had a revelation of the messiahship of Jesus, of Yeshua, we say in Hebrew, um, he was actively persecuting the first Jewish believers in Jesus, actively, like condoning and assisting in their execution. And then he has this encounter with Jesus uh, and realizes that he is, in fact, the Messiah, the promised one, according to the prophets, according to the scriptures. And then for the rest of his life, until his beheading in Rome, he finds himself being persecuted now on the other side of the fence. Uh, and I, I'm thinking of, you know, Paul recognizes and he shares uh, with the believers, our battle, he says, is not against flesh and blood. And I think that's what's important to remember. Our battle is not with the person on the other side of the picket fence on the end of my property. I don't have picket fence. Uh, Phoenix is not a lot of picket fence here, more like stucco and cactus. But anyway, not with the person on the other side of the fence, our neighbor, our family member, uh, somebody who's in our church or congregation uh, who didn't vote like we did. Our battle isn't with them. Our battle, the scriptures tell us, Paul tells us, uh, is against powers and principalities and forces of wickedness in high places, and that's where the real that's where the real contention is, and that's where it needs to be. So, uh, just like you said, Carly, we just got to remember uh, where the real battle is, and if we end up fighting each other as though uh, the person next to us and how they voted is the sole factor in how things are going to go in world history as we understand that they will or should, uh, we've missed something. So agreed, being prayerful, respecting the differences of others. Uh, if you have friends or family who are Jewish, uh, you have a 75% chance that they voted for Joe Biden, and maybe you didn't. And maybe they voted for Trump, and you can ask them why and say, hey, that's unique among the Jewish community. Tell me about that. Um, but again, it's important to understand everybody has reasons for why they did what they did. We all have a desired outcome one way or the other, which you and I are intentionally not sharing, Carly, but uh, understanding, remaining prayerful and remembering uh, we're not fighting each other. And uh, if we can keep that, then we can continue to pursue the ideal of, of what we are in name and what we should be in action, the United States of America. So I'll get off my soapbox. Uh, on that. And we'll finish this for today. We hope this was uh, informative and educational for you. Uh, whether you watch Fox or CNN or BBC or Al Jazeera or whatever you're watching and listening to, you probably haven't heard many of the statistics we mentioned today. We encourage you look them up on your own. Don't take our word for it. JPost or JerusalemPost.com sends news in English from Israel, Israel National News, as well as check the major American media outlets. But uh, Google it. Find out how the American evangelical community has voted. Find out what the American Jewish opinion polls are saying in terms of where we find ourselves right now with no decision in the election thus far, uh, and do some research on your own. But we hope this has been informative. We love keeping you aware, as Carly started this podcast by saying, of what God is doing among Israel and the Jewish people, what that has to do with the Christian community here in the United States and worldwide, and what that has to do with you listening at home. 
Uh, and if you want to hear more or you want to get involved, not only in uh, being educated every week or so, but also standing with and being a blessing to Jewish communities who are in real need around the world, in Ethiopia, in Zimbabwe, in Israel and beyond, uh, we'd love for your partnership with us as we partner with ministries here in the States, Israel, around the world who are doing the same. A Jew and a Gentile org is the website with all the information. And just as a thank you for your partnership with us, we want to get some fantastic top couple percent of the beans in the world, Ethiopian coffee into your hands. Ethiopia is a nation near and dear to our hearts, a Jewish community remaining in Ethiopia of tens of thousands who are in real need and we stand with them. And if you want to stand with us and standing with them, we'll get you some delicious coffee just as a reminder to pray for them and for Jewish communities around the world in need and as a thank you for your partnership. Again, all the details and how you can get involved are on our website, a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org. Yeah. And we just want to thank you so much for listening today. Like Ezra said, I hope you you learned something, got something unique out of this that you're not hearing on just the regular national news. Uh, as we mentioned, this is a three-part series, so if you didn't listen to the pre-election, go back and listen to that. Uh, tune in next week to hear us talk about uh, the post-election results and how that will affect Israel and the Jewish people. Uh, if you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love if you leave us a review. We love hearing your feedback. Share this podcast with someone you know. You can also follow us on social media at the handle A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. Uh, if there's anything you want to have us discuss, you can enter that there. We read all of the comments. Uh, thanks again so much for listening. Join us next week for another episode. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.